You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast, the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. A quick and informative bonus episode this week. Have a listen. We do something different at the Foul Weather Podcast that nobody else is doing. We forecast fresh ducks. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Think about that. Other duck migration reports are just that. They report. They tell you where ducks already are. They don't forecast naive ducks headed your way. In addition, our analytical and studio team strives to bring you an entertaining and informative listen to enhance your hunting experience. The Foul Weather Podcast is a year-round listening experience that brings our duck migration forecast to you each week from October to January. And in the off-season, we cover all aspects of duck migration, duck behavior, and wetland management for waterfowl. As passionate duck hunters ourselves, we know that duck season never truly ends. Right? We're all duck hunters to the end. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. We are the duck migration forecast to your next successful hunt. We really thank our every week listeners. You know who you are. Those that never miss a single weekly migration forecast episode each Monday morning. Y'all are ate up as much as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef. If you haven't caught up on our past releases, take a jump back and look for the episode, Where the Hell is Jack's Reef? For a fun, it's a fun listen. Um, also tackle, I make gumbo, where we argue why ducks are way cooler than shooting giant brown rectangles. It's just a fun jab at deer hunters. I'm a deer hunter at heart, too, so don't take it too personally. Um, it was fun to record and, uh, looking at making a little more of those types of things in the future. So hang in there, y'all. All All right. Today we cover how we predict duck migration that goes into the weekly forecast for y'all to find a way to shoot more ducks. I really feel like we're putting more ducks in front of your blind. If you pick the days that we tell you to go, the parts of the week we tell you to go, you're probably going to see more ducks. I've been using this technique for years. I've been using our mathematical models, our algorithms for years here. I used them in Mississippi um, before my wife and I moved back to the Northeast. We were in Michigan for a while. We used them there. These mathematical models, these algorithms, these weather severity index uh, values tell you when ducks are going to show up. It's not perfect, But it's definitely better. So hang with us as today we cover how we predict duck migration, right? We use the most up-to-date science to predict this duck migration. I mean, if the Grand Passage happens, you're going to see it. You're definitely going to see it. Right now, under an El Nino winter, El Nino fall and winter that's going on, We've got a little bit of a trickle of birds going on. A lot of the early migrants, gadwall, widgeon, green-winged teal, shoveler, right? Mallards aren't moving a lot. You might have seen a bit bigger movement than what we're talking about migration-wise. But go back to um, 
we've we've got an episode that kind of details. It's called "The Tale of Two Migrations," and it talks about how ducks seemingly move before weather makes them move. They move out of these most northern locations into your area, like northern tier states, right now, and that is happening at this time. They're moving out of those areas. They're not going to stay into places that have more food and carb resources so they can get all jacked up, they can get all fueled up to make the next jump. But after that, that's kind of what you would call a fixed migration, right? They move kind of on a calendar event. They got to get out of those places. They're not going to stay there. And then they move into like the upper Midwest. They move into the prairies. They move into the Great Lakes region. The the upper Atlantic, I'd say, you know, New Hampshire, Maine, North, if you're waste. And they hang there at that time until the weather starts to push them south. Um, a lot of folks think that it's just about corn and corn-fed ducks and, you know, flooded corn and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm going to cover flooded corn, too. It's not a thing, by the way. So it's not holding your ducks up. A lot of things going on with, with changing climates and such. But... Right. What I'm going to detail here is how we use the most up-to-date science to predict duck migration, right? So we all talk about what makes ducks migrate, like when we're in the blind. We all sit there. We, we're like, oh, there's, there, when ducks show up, we talk about, like, why are they here? And when they're not there, we talk about why they're not there. The reality is that kind of you guys are way ahead of the of of the science that has happened the folks in the duck blinds are talking about this more or had been talking about this more than scientists themselves up until several years ago right so from years spent in the fields forest and marshes i mean i lived in mississippi i lived in maine south dakota oklahoma ontario and canada um spent some time in north dakota actually spent some time in manitoba um, and right now, right, we're in Jack's Reef, New York. But it all this travel north to south, east to west taught me a lot. It really provided insight into the factors that cause duck migration. When we started out researching duck migration in Mississippi, it was super evident that despite how much we all talked about duck migration in the blind, like why are ducks here today? And why weren't ducks here yesterday or vice versa? That no real science has, had been conducted. I mean, I went in and dug through all the literature trying to find, you know, like we talk about temperature, we talk about snow, we talk about wind, and, and really nothing had been done or quantified. And some of that was about how weather data had been produced in the past in like the 60s, 70s, 80s compared to now and its accessibility and then our accessibility to duck migration data, right? But what we wanted to know was, right, had duck migration to southern states changed? Because the most common question we got was, where are the mallards? Right? People started thinking that the breeding duck population estimates really just couldn't be right. And where had all the mallards gone? Like when you talk to people, when you talk to folks in like Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas, the comment was, where have all the mallards gone? They literally thought that the population had declined. And it probably looked like, 
you know, changing climates were just holding those birds farther north. But the first thing we had to do was come up with an algorithm, a mathematical model, which linked when birds move to um, weather variables at like kind of mid latitudes, northern latitudes to understand then if those what makes a duck migrate if the weather that makes a duck migrate had changed. So that's kind of what we set out to do really quickly. So we set out to determine what made mallards migrate. Later on, we'd add other dabbling ducks like pintail, gadwall, widgeon, green-winged teal, and shoveler into the mix. Early on, we focused mostly on mallards, and we just chucked all the other ducks into this other dabbling duck kind of category. What's really cool here is that the state of Missouri is known for their model of conservation. This was set forth by a lot of forward thinkers that put a, like, really worked hard to put a, a super small state tax um, that goes to the Missouri Department of Conservation that was used to enhance everything the MDC or Missouri Department of Conservation does, but also their waterfall conservation areas, right? And what they wanted to do is make these waterfall conservation areas to be equivalent to nearby private hunt clubs. Anybody that's hunted these, I lived in Missouri, I hunted these, I'm going back to the boot heel this year to hunt with a friend. Um, <clears throat> I did my grad degree in, in Cape Girardeau. I hunted, um, uh, you know, uh, Otter Slough and Ten Mile Pond and Duck Creek and up into the National Forest and along the river on some of these ditches and stuff. It's a, it's a super cool um, part of the world. I really love the people in the, in the boot heel of Missouri. And... <clears throat> But the good duck clubs around those areas are just just amazing, and so um, what the what the Missouri Department of Conservation wanted to do was was um, enhance those waterfall conservation areas to be kind of equivalent to private hunt clubs, so the public public could you know experience kind of the same thing, and out of that built like this huge culture of 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 duck hunting in that part of the world. I mean. Not only did they provide more habitat for ducks, but they grew numbers of duck hunters like exponentially during those periods, right? So it worked. Missouri continues to be a model for waterfall conservation during migration. I would say, you know, from my own experiences and continue, I gave a guest talk in Missouri for a wetland summit um, last spring. I feel like that focus on waterfowl, and, and I'm going to dig into this in the Fowl Weather Podcast I think some of that uh, support for duck hunting and, and duck conservation areas is, is eroding um, with additional interests for other critters, um, and there tends to be an increasing lack of focus on, on waterfall. I think this is, is highly misdirected on public grounds, um, but more, <laughs> yeah, more on that controver controversial issue in, in coming uh, episodes, right? Um, I'm going to say one thing here in my brain. Uh, reads it every night I dream um, ducks are king so you're not going to pull me off that pedestal and it's it's driven a lot of great conservation for a lot of different species um, ducks are king so when we want to talk about data on duck migration when we wanted data on duck migration we went to Missouri because they've got the Missouri model and it worked 
and they had the funds to conduct really quality waterfall counts throughout migration. We paired these duck counts by species with nearby weather station and, and weather station data. And what we did was tested a bunch of different combinations and found the best predictors of either if, if different species like mallards were increasing or decreasing in I would what I'd call middle middle America right in Missouri in that mid latitude. So what types of weather variables were causing increases in ducks and what types of variables were causing decreases in ducks and then we we kind of fit that into um, an algorithm which, which allows us to find a threshold when ducks should be leaving a location. It also kind of tells us of like dirt. There's like you know this you've hunted mallards like. They kind of show up um, over a period of time, and they build, and they build, and they build, and then they, poof, they're gone, right? And they're moving to southern latitudes. A lot of your early migrants actually tend to kind of like, at the beginning of your season, I don't know if anybody else has seen this, it's what this is like in New York. I think it's kind of what it was like in, in Missouri and elsewhere. So they're kind of already there at the beginning of season at these mid-latitude and northern latitude areas. And then they just kind of decline throughout the season. Um, but we, we actually can predict that decline of like gadwall and greenwing teal and shovelers and widgeon. And I'm missing some there. But we can, those early ducks that move, um, we can actually predict when they leave town. And presumably kind of like moving, you know, farther south. So you've all seen it, we've watched it and talked about it in the blind, but we put real numbers to that, that weather that makes ducks move. So the best predictor of mallard and these other dabbling ducks, you know, that I talked about, the early migrants, is really how cold is it, number one, how cold is it, number two, how much snow is on the ground, number three, how many days in a row has it been below freezing, and number four, how many days in a row has there been measurable snow on the ground that would interfere with field feeding? So this is a really simple model, right? And it doesn't explain all the variation in duck migration, but across broad scales, if you're in Mississippi, if you're in Tennessee, if you're in Kansas, if you're in uh, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, these are really the types of things, these, these, these broad metrics that seem to do a really good job of forecasting within the, you know, the seven-day forecast that we provide when those ducks are going to show up. Other folks have said, hey, it's too simple. You got to do all this other modeling. You got to include disturbance. You got to include wind direction. You have to do all these other things, right? And I highly disagree with that at the broad scale. Like at your local scale, stuff's going to vary, right? Like if you shoot the hell out of a marsh for 15 days, you're not going to see ducks, right? I've got state land near me that there's guys in every single morning. You're just not going to see birds there. It doesn't mean there's not birds around. So there's variation in this, like rivers flood that'll hold birds further north, even though it's cold and snowy, right? That happens. Um... But in general, this is a metric that really grabs whether birds uh, move south. One of my biggest critics on this, uh, this weather severity index is um, a professor in, in Missouri. Um, no names here. It's fine. It's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's no, no grudge. But, but uh, there was a postdoc that worked with this individual. And 
they tracked uh, GPS backpack birds to like look at what was the um, you know most common thing that instigated migration you know or movement of birds out of the area. And you know what they found? It was temperature and snow. So um, it's pretty simple. We've all sat in the duck blind. We know it. Um, we put numbers to it. We can calculate when it happens on a weekly basis, right? It's it's pretty cool stuff. Um, most of you could actually take a newspaper. I tried to make this back in the day when we had when we when we use newspapers and uh, make this a thing you could sit and drink a cup of coffee and literally calculate on your kitchen table. So um, I don't think uh, these ducks think about it too much, and I don't think we have to think about it too hard. Um, when it gets cold and it snows, uh, which it seems to be less often what it does these days, uh, the, these birds move south, and they do so at different times because they have different tolerances, which is what we're um, using to make our predictions of, uh, of when they move south. Of course, the mallards are the latest, right? Um, if listen, listen to the weekly. Uh, next Monday, we're going to drop another one. It's probably not going to call for any kind of major mallard or block duck migration. Yeah, there's some movement. Um, again, go, go listen to the tale of two migrations. It'll, it'll tune you into those early migrations and, and maybe why they happen. But most of the movement right now is by things like gadwall and widgeon and greenwing teal and shovelers and a little bit of pintail stuff, but pintails are big and they also field feed, feed. So they take a little longer to, to push too. So, so when you hear us talk about these mathematical models, our algorithms, we call them weather severity indices, a weather severity index. We're going to use the term WSI throughout much of the fall weather podcast. Right, It's a threshold value that differs among species of ducks. So as you listen to the podcast, we talk about WSI values beyond that threshold, which indicates that a duck, a duck species is moving out of that location and presumably to, to places uh, farther south. So a little bit more on why the WSI works or the Weather Severity Index works. It's, it's how cold is it? So how much energy are these birds expending on that given day, right? How many days in a row has it been cold? So again, this is about energy expenditure. It, that how many days has it been cold also affects wetland icing and can actually reduce um, the food that they can get and make birds feed deeper too and takes more energy to tip for food than it does to kind of dabble around on the shallow edges, right? The snowfall portion of this for field feeding birds, right? Pintails, uh, mallards, black ducks, green winged teal, birds that will typically go into fields, that snow on the ground, how much is there directly affects whether they can go land in a cornfield and eat corn kernels. And then how many days in a row is affecting energy input. So why this algorithm works? Yeah, it's simple, but it really has to do with how much energy output is going, is going on with this bird and how much energy input um, is able to happen to sustain that bird to, to allow it to stay warm to thermoregulate right so you're thinking well there's things that in there that mostly feed in wetlands so why is snow still a component right shovelers uh gadwall widgeon they're kind of more open water they're not they, i mean yes you will see them in a field it's really uncommon though they're mostly straight up wetland birds but if we think about it the no, more numbers of days in a row that are cold right? So your average temperature is declining 
and the more snowfall, this is why I think snow still is incorporated into this is important. That snowfall into those wetlands decreases water temperature really quickly and then enables wetland icing uh, to happen faster. So I was kind of surprised to see snow in there for kind of what we call these wetland obligate or species that kind of have to feed in wetlands. But I really think it has to do with just general degradation of weather in general, harsher weather, but also really that um, wetland cooling that goes on as well. I want to again note that these are not migration reports we produce. Migration reports tell you about ducks that have already arrived and been shot at. Lots of love for DU, Delta Waterfall, and others that produce these reports. But by the time you get these reports, ducks, these ducks are probably already in refuges or safe places. You've seen it. Fresh ducks are naive and killable. The Foul Weather Podcast produces forecasts to tell you about the timing of fresh ducks. If you want a full breakdown of how the WSI works, check out our video at foulweather.co. That's co, not .com foulweather.co. We produce the only duck migration forecast available for the Central, Mississippi, and Atlantic flyways. All right, my friends, that's a wrap on how we predict duck migration. Duck seasons are slowly ramping up. Spread the word about the Foul Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Remember to share and follow us for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also look us up on the web at foulweather.co and check in for regular updates. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as foulweather.co where we'll post episode links and updates, so follow us there as well. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. Mm -hmm.